Most people get married. The wedding is the most common symbol of a shift from singlehood to a committed partnership, and so it's extremely important to the couple and their family. But stress about the ceremony and its cost can lead to conflict. We're talking all about weddings this week on Family Anatomy. psychologist but they're not your psychologist so if you need to talk to someone about family or mental health issues you can get a referral from your family doctor this show is for information only welcome to family anatomy your source for parenting and relationship information with your hosts dr giuseppe spazzano and dr brian mcdonald you can find us at familyanatomy.com or over on itunes and let's get right into weddings today well, we were both at a wedding this summer. That's right. I went to my sister's wedding. And I went to a friend of the family's wedding. My party was probably better than yours. I don't think so. Well, I beg to differ. <laughs> I was actually at both. I don't know if you noticed I crashed your sister's <laughs> you crashed? wedding. Yeah. And so I know yeah. which was better. I don't think so. But. <laughs> um, so, I mean, that that's something that that was very personal for you. This was a... You know, a friend of the family, I don't know them very well. They know my parents very well. But it just got me thinking about my own wedding and the weddings I've been to. What's the most memorable thing about your wedding besides actually getting married to your wife? The ceremony or the reception? Well, I would say right on the altar right? when you have to say those words. Yeah. You know, there's a, a script of words you have to say. And I had rehearsed them with the priest before that moment. Mm-hmm. But when they start actually coming out of your mouth <laughs> and you realize that like your your life is going to take a completely different course. Sure. It's a big moment. It is. It is. Uh, the ceremony for me is a blur. Okay. I, I, the reception, <laughs> you were there. I was there. I okay. was there. But it's just, you know, there's so much. And you're, so what was it then? What stuck out for you? Well, it, you know, I remember things from the reception. I was heckled during my wedding speech. Okay. By someone from my wife's family, which mm-hmm. is... Uh, a bit of a shocker. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I got carded as the groom. You did? Yeah, they checked my ID. They didn't think I was old enough to drink at the bar. Oh, I thought, see, I was thinking soccer. I thought you got maybe a red card. Oh, yeah. I did. (laughs) I was was strongly cautioned. kicked out of the wedding? I was strongly cautioned a couple of times. (laughs) Yeah, so... Well, look, lots of people get married. I mean, the the last uh, survey I read said something like 90% of... Americans will marry at some point in their lives. And you know, the thing that I find really interesting about the whole thing is that what you're doing is you're, you're choosing for the first time in, a, in the biggest way, because you, you, know, you, make, you make these choices in smaller ways when you make friends and stuff like that. But mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
you're choosing to bond with a particular person to make a, a very strong attachment to a particular person for the rest of your life. Well, it's this in, it's in symbolic. The vow, in it's the symbolic vow. of that attachment. Yeah. Well, it's 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 the choice that you're making that you didn't have when you were growing up as a child. You're bonding to whoever your parents are, and that's just what it is. And mm-hmm. if you're lucky enough to bond with them, sure, right? Which most kids are, right? Now you're making a choice. Hopefully a well-thought-out choice. <laughs> Hopefully a well-thought-out choice, for sure. Well, like we, we know that 30 to 50% of these dreams, of the, of the, to me, yeah. they're like an attachment dream mm-hmm. that you're having as an adult to another adult. And like I say, 30 to 50% don't work. Right. And don't even work those in people, the sense that... Even you know, those people usually marry again. Right. You know, another yeah. kick at the can. Because there's that draw. There's that draw to need to attach to another person, mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. And uh, even though, you know, often it doesn't work, you're still, your hope is still there. And that's reflected in those vows when you get married. Optimism. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Lots of optimism. It's a pretty optimistic decision that you're going to stick with one person through thick and thin. That, and that's, I think that's what you're doing there. I think... The the other thing that strikes me about marriage or weddings is that I don't know about yours, I'm mm-hmm. assuming yours too, but all the ones I've ever been to, including my own, the focus was on the bride. Absolutely. Uh, and and you know, I read a study, I I was doing some research, and first of all, it's hard to find when I was looking up recent studies about wedding ceremonies, a lot of it is about sexism and things like that. I, I found or a lot of sex it, weddings. Yeah, same sex weddings now because the because now that they're legal, people are beginning to do some research on what the ceremonies are looking like and whether they're the same or different as heterosexual marriages and or weddings, pardon me, and things like that. But uh, I I did some research on um, the the wedding books. You know, this weddings are a multi billion dollar industry. For sure. This is, I mean, it's huge. And most yeah. people will read a book or magazines or something while they're planning their wedding. And so these these researchers reviewed the books and magazines that were available. I think it was in Australia that this was done. And what they found was um, that they hugely reinforced traditional gender roles, that the people giving advice about weddings and planning weddings don't even consider the groom in any way. He's He's sort of a peripheral figure in all of this planning and and the books are reinforcing i mean we know that i know that from my own wedding i i was involved in some of the planning but it was my wife and her mom more than anybody else and i think that's true of most couples and the books that teach people about how to plan a wedding reinforce that which is funny now the you said it's a it's a multi-billion dollar industry. What I was looking up was some of the surveys they've done, and the average wedding cost $23,000. Mm-hmm. About 20% spend 30000 or more. Another 10 or 11% spend over forty. Wow. So it's really, it is a lot of money. The, the focus on the bride, if you look back in history... Now, there's, there's a sexist history to this, mm-hmm. right? And now it's been morphed into what we see today is a lot of women like that attention and they look forward to having that beautiful dress and being the center of attention. There's a lot of anxiety around it, but it is focused there. In history, what you had was women as property. So it would be the father 
with the daughter giving it to another man, giving her to another man, right? Right. And as property and as a valuable property, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. the brides could also be stolen or abducted. (laughs) So... So there was there was this in history where this is why this, you wanted to talk about this topic more <laughs> no, than anything else. Well, but where does that come? Where does this focus come from? Well, how did it become this focus, and why? Now, like I say, it's kind of morphed into more of a positive focus on women. But the focus originally was on this valuable commodity that you had as a father of a family. If you had a daughter who was coveted by another family, well, you see the you see it's still around the world that there's money to be paid, right? Right. And there was abductions. So uh, this this was where the focus was, and it's morphed into, like I say, something much better. <laughs> still, Well, totally, yeah, better know. than that. But if these ceremonies are reinforcing those and, and encouraging those traditional, rigid kind of well, gender see, roles well, for, the, for the couple, if they're... Uh, promoting an unequal division of labor. I, when you look at what's recommended in the books that talk about planning these things, and when you think about your own wedding, I mean, they're all the opposite of what we recommend to couples that we see in our offices. Right. It's exactly the opposite. You know, you need to be flexible. You need to compromise. You need to talk things out. And, you know, husbands, you need to pick up some of the slack around the house. You need to pull your own weight. That's right. It's not reflected in that ceremony. But then, you know, part of it is that that men are pulling back. It's not just women leaving them out. It's also men pulling back. And yet there is this remnant of this sort of, not just sexism, but also kind of a fear, like a homophobia that I think is in there because this whole ceremony is about love and a feminine character to it that I think men aren't as comfortable with and don't feel it's macho to be involved with and this kind of thing. So they're pulling back. There's that whole sexist tradition going into it too. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is you're right. That that's what you end up getting. Um, you know, the part of it though, I think what so what made women so valuable is that they could give life. You know, they they have this power to give life, and so this is what was being traded. And the, also, what they did was there was all these rituals around keeping the the girl that was to be the bride to be married keeping her safe from evil spirits because this valued ability to give birth sure could be taken away by plague or disease and mm-hmm, all these mm-hmm. other things so there, there's a lot of these rituals that you see now that you wonder where do they come from well they came from this kind of valued gift Right, that that women the have to bear children, the ability to bear children, plus the fear that it could be, you know, many people could be wiped out, including this person who could bear children. There you go. <laughs> right. So, so maybe some more statistics here too. Uh, the average age that people get married by the bride, I see it. it I was looking around. It's at twenty nine years old mm-hmm. nowadays. Mm-hmm. The groom about 30, so about the same, Yeah, if you take an account error, I guess. Right. Uh, average length of engagement, about 14 months. I don't know, mm-hmm. how long was your engagement? We had a long engagement because we got engaged before we were going to move into the same city where my mother-in-law lived, and my wife wanted her to help with the planning of the wedding. So 
we were engaged and then we waited until the move happened and until we were settled in before we got married. So it was a long engagement. Two years. Okay. Yeah. You're close to... Pretty close. Pretty there. close. Uh, number of guests average, 140. Okay. Yeah, right. that's pretty close. Pretty close. Yeah, I think it was right? 150 to 160 of mine. And um, most popular time to get engaged? June. No. no. June. Well, April. I would have I thought April. Springtime. Yeah. Right? No. It's December. Merry Christmas. <laughs> that's right. Merry yeah, Christmas. That's what it is. And then... Um, and then the most popular time to actually get married is actually August, September. Go figure. Yeah. There you go. When the leaves are changing. That's it. What do you know? You left out the statistics that I found most interesting. Yes. Average amount of weight women would like to lose before the ceremony. Okay. 22 pounds. Really? Majority of women would like to lose about 22 pounds before they before the wedding. Appearance becomes very important, right? And they're thinking mm-hmm. about the wedding pictures and wanting to be able to look back and say that I was at my best at that time because they, you know, they want to show off those pictures. Men feel that weight loss is less important. Duh. Yeah. That's <laughs> <laughs> not not a big yeah. surprise there. Uh, although get this, the more the husband the groom to be is involved in the wedding planning, the more concerned he is about his weight. Because he's part of part mm-hmm. of that whole thing now. Mm-hmm. Like the more detached he is, the less he cares generally, I guess, about yeah. everything, including his weight. Well, and I, I mean, the researchers are thinking that they're internalizing these messages from all the wedding planning books about how good you need to look in your pictures. And they're like, oh my gosh, she's going to lose 20 pounds. The guys usually want to lose around 10. A, a minority of those men would like to bulk up before the wedding and gain some gain some muscle mass. Right. Going back to the money for a second, uh, the other interesting statistics that I was looking up was uh, 66, well, I guess two-thirds of couples who say they plan to get married in the next five years feel that they might have to defer it because of it's too expensive because of the money. Well, there's so many expenses involved in a wedding and even planning a wedding. And... Often, at least traditionally, right, the, the parents would would help uh, to pay for at least part of the ceremony. And that's, I mean, that's where a lot of the stress comes from. I mean, obviously, people want the pictures to turn out right. They want the ceremony to be great. They want the reception to be memorable. There's the stress of all of that. But you add $20,000, $30,000, dollars in expenses on top of that. You add, if the parents are chipping in, their ownership of that part of part of the reception, for example, it's it's a recipe for conflict too. There's so much to plan, but there's but there's this financial aspect that you're right is is very big, and a lot of couples get into cost cutting measures like a smaller guest list or do it yourself invitations and you know decorations or finding a friend to do the photography or the video. Right. Uh, or getting married off season, or a lot of people are doing destination weddings, right? Mm-hmm. Where they and then the guests have well, lots is, of expenses associated with well, that. Well, this right? is it. So, to me, when you start getting into this whole thing, you start to say, you know, because because we're, sen- we're saying earlier that it's about the bride. That's the main focus is the bride, right? right? Um, now, if the average wedding is bringing in a hundred and forty people, right? Mm-hmm then it can't just be about the bride. I mean, if you have a dinner party, you find out if the guests have allergies to certain foods. Yeah. 
right? Let's hope so. <laughs> right? Yeah. So you do have to be considerate of the people you're you're bringing into your wedding, right? Sure. So there's this... Sure. There's this uh, now, it's not exactly like a dinner party, obviously. It's no. not and just about the host at a dinner party. And the a big same part way, of it, though, is how how... If something goes wrong, how does that reflect on the bride? They want she wants her wedding to be perfect. If something goes wrong at the reception, if somebody's disappointed and walks out of there, it's not just about concern for the guest. It's also about how that reflects on the person who planned the entire thing. That's right. So you know you have to consider your guests partly, like you're saying, because if they're not happy, they can make your event go upside down or sideways. Right. They might heckle you while you make your speech as the groom. Right. So and then so one of the things that people do is they think, well, let's have this destination wedding mm-hmm. where you can also upset people, but they'll be at home. <laughs> Hopefully they're not the ones that <laughs> come. Boost. Like I know some people that have had nobody come to their destination wedding and they go just the couple by themselves. Mm-hmm. And that way there's like it's entirely in the bride and groom's hands and they do exactly what they want and they have the reception or whatever it is, the the wedding be exactly the way they want it to be. And they don't have to worry about anybody at that time, at least. You strongly recommend blowback. No, I I mean, I think you still might get blowback from people who say, wait, we didn't get to celebrate Uh, with you. Yeah. Well, you get the people who elope, right? That's right. So they don't, I mean, when you're eloping though, it's like, it's like you're not telling anybody, right? Right. This is <laughs> you're escaping. You're escaping, but this is more like listen, we've decided that we're going to Hawaii. Right. You know, just the two of us. Mm-hmm. Um you no, know, you know, there's now a lot of people will take some some members of their family or friends with them right. for these destination weddings. Well, just the wedding party even. Right, and now right. now you're putting a large expense on them. You're taking expense off yourself. It's a lot less expensive to do a destination wedding, right? Uh, but you're putting some onus on them, and some people might not want to travel, and you know, it gets really complicated even that way as well. It's a wonder that um, wedding ceremonies and receptions ever go off with that, a big blow-up and an argument and fight between the couple and the rest of their family. Well, it, yeah. There's I mean, certainly I, enough things that can go wrong. There right? is. And I think, I don't think you can get through one of these things with all the different things that have to be planned right. and all the different interests. Because, you know, we talk about it being about the bride, but everybody's got some interest in this thing. Well, when you've got 140 people. Right. Well, particularly the closest family. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. They have some interest in it. So uh, it's not going to be completely smooth. But now, if you listen to the speeches at the wedding, right? What's the mandatory part of every speech at the wedding? Something embarrassing about the bride or the groom? <laughs> has to be both. something like yeah, that. You have that's, to have something you know, embarrassing. You have to have some humor. Yep. But another part that's really always has to be there, it's yep. like codified in the wedding speech manual. Is welcome to the family. Welcome to the family. I haven't lost a son, I've gained a daughter. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> right? That has to be there. Now, is that again that to me that's like an attachment dream you know that's like i wish this right mm. just like i wish we're going to be together for the rest of our you lives hope that it's and i'm going to say it way. in front of everyone yeah you hope this because you know it's that's not exactly how things go though <laughs> you know well, there's always some tensions and you're hoping and you're hoping and you mm-hmm. want to include them in your family 
Yeah. These people that, you know. Best prediction of your in-laws relationship after the wedding? Mm. The relationship before the wedding. That's it. So if it's not good before, the wedding's not going <laughs> to no, fix it. But no matter how good or bad it is, you have to have that in your speech. So there's yeah. always this hopefulness of we're, we're going to build something, uh, this this new family unit, this has to be supported, mm-hmm. and we're going to build it, and we're going to hope for it, and we're going to do all these things. It's more complicated than that. Yep. I mean, one of the things that we've definitely talked about again and again and again and again is the importance of having that extended network that extended, well, family network, but also also close friends who are there to support you through the stressful times. And I mean, even if you're very, very happy to be married, there's that thing that we've talked about before. Life changes are stressful. The wedding itself is stressful. Now you're finding yourself in probably, even if you, even if you were living together before the ceremony, probably it's going to feel like a little bit of a new role for you. So in a way, that ceremony that's focused on the bride so much, you're also kind of inviting in a a community of people who are in some way supporting this bond that you have, this attachment that you've chosen. Well, that's funny you should say that because that's I what, thought it was again, pretty, you, pretty funny myself. It's hilarious. Yeah. But, <laughs> you know, you're hoping, again, it's all about hope. Right. You know, we've... I'm sure, I haven't talked to you about this, but I'm sure you know of weddings, I do, where at the last minute, in the last hours, somebody from the family or some friend comes up to the bride or groom and says, are you sure this could be a mistake? Mm-hmm. You, it's There's still time. Mm-hmm. You've heard this. You it's not just out. in movies. I've actually, You've heard that. this has happened. Did this experience yes. happened to you. Not to myself, but no. I've heard it happen to given people this that I know. What are you no, doing? No, I wasn't the one. <laughs> <laughs> no, but this is what I mean. There's this right. dream of attachment and then there's a reality. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And part of that reality is that, you know, now it, I'm going to extrapolate because we have young children who are not engaged. No. As far as I know, is your no. 12-year-old engaged? Uh, No, no. His younger brother has a pretty serious girlfriend. <laughs> he does. Okay. He's only 10. Now... Uh, when seen pictures of them hugging each other. I was very disturbed. Really? Like, what are you? No. You're 10 years old. Okay. I'm changing the topic, sorry. No, we no, have to talk no, after. No, this is not actually <laughs> changing the topic. If you think about, think about when your sons or one of your sons started to really go for a, a girl, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, now, there's the whole thing that you're worried, you know, what might happen sexually, but they're young enough that there's probably not too much worry there, right? No. But there is sometimes... That being said, if we go back to our episodes about talking to your kids about sex and things like that, sex education, yeah. or anatomy of sex ed, it's a good. It's it. a good. It's always a good opportunity. I've had and, lots know, of discussions right? with them about this stuff. Yeah, but I'm not really worried about it. Yeah, you're not. I mean... That's just to clarify for the listeners. Yeah, you right. think we talked about, yeah, you have to start and have lots of conversations, et cetera, et cetera. And no, we don't actually do that, but we recommend it for other people. Right. But we do it. We, we actually do. do that. We do. And But there's this other aspect to it. It's not just the, the sexuality part of it. There's this part where you think ahead to, you know, the woman mm. that will be with your son and not as much with you as a parent. There's that empty nest thing that's down the road. Right. One of the things that's happening, I guess, when when your son or daughter goes to the altar 
is there is this, you know, tr- there's a sort of transfer of affections to some extent. There's, there's a bit of loss for the parent, even though there's obviously, you know, as they say in the speeches, I've gained a daughter, or I've gained a son, yep. right? But there's also this loss. Wow, uh, dude, your cat's in the cradling me right now. What? I'm going to be thinking about that song, <laughs> cat, Cats in the Cradle. Oh, right, right, yeah. The world's saddest well, song. Well, there, there it is. There it is, right yep. in that song. You're right. Yeah. Well, that's I thought, what I thought it's it was another metaphor that when, I wasn't catching there, but oh, yes. My boy was just like me. He doesn't have <laughs> right? time for well, his dad. This is, so, that, I mean, that's definitely part of that day for the parent. That's why you see them crying, Yep. right? That, that a lot of times they're crying. They're, now, they're crying for the beauty of the moment as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, I think it's a mixed thing, right? You're crying for the beauty of that moment. You're also crying because there's a change happening here that, that it's, yeah. it's going to feel like a bit of a loss to yourself. Well, it's not just a transition for the bride and groom. It's a transition for the parents. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's right. And, and then the questions begin. When are you going to have a baby? <laughs> if they didn't so start that, before that. That'll make up for the loss, yeah, right? Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. That'll be, let's let's you know? replace my child with my grandchild. A new cuter one. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> the older they get, the cuter they ain't. That's right. So, you know, so there's that. And there's also like, you know, if you think about all the elements that have to go into one of these things, yeah, it's like putting on a, a play. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of similar elements to a play too, you know, because the, like I said, not everything that's reality, psychological reality around this event is going to be played out on that day would be inappropriate. Mm. Right? Well, and and I th- I think when you say that, it reminds me of there are any number of bad things that could happen during a wedding ceremony. And if it's common enough, there's probably some superstition that it's actually good luck. Part of that optimism, right? If it rains on your wedding day, then that's a good sign for down the road. Well, like I say, I think it goes way back to this fear of what could happen to brides. It could be abducted. They could get diseases. They could, I mean, A little, little bit of water falling down isn't so bad <laughs> compared to those things. That's right. <laughs> I think that brings us to our top three things. Let's do it. Top three things. And the number one thing to remember is try and relax and appreciate the day and all of the surprises it brings. I think the people that really care about you, that cared about you before the wedding and after the wedding are going to be most generous regardless of what happens i know personally when i whenever i go whatever happens whatever kind of decisions they've made that make this unique to these two people i appreciate no matter if that involves somebody stumbling or if that involves like a cake that's three times as big as what i had imagined whatever it is to me leaves a particular imprint of this special couple for that special day. Well, and if something goes wrong, you're going to have a story that you're going to be able to to tell for years to come. That's right. About the crazy thing that happened at your wedding ceremony. What you say is really good because I think mindfulness is something that's important in these stressful situations. So, you know, you have to be in the moment at some point. What's going to happen is going to happen and there's not very much you can do to control it. The second thing I think to remember is that I think it's a good idea to provide opportunities and encourage the groom to be involved in the wedding planning. I mean, if you want your relationship to get off on the right foot, so to speak, with the idea that you're going to be equal partners in in this attachment, hey, you know, the, the groom can't be a peripheral figure in the ceremony or the planning of the ceremony. That's it. Like a real man 
is not afraid of love, <laughs> not afraid afraid of commitment and to be involved. It's like he, he is, was the one who proposed. If he is, then, you know, you, you had some work to do prior to getting there. <laughs> and the third thing to remember is that uh, you want to be, you know, this is a day where there's a birth of a new family. Yeah. Right. And so there's lots to be excited about. And there's, there's a new adventure ahead for this young couple or couple, regardless of their young. And so at the same time, you want to be sensitive to the fact that oftentimes, not always, not if it's a second marriage, for instance, mm-hmm. or if it's older people getting, getting uh, wed, but oftentimes there's also going to be a loss accompanying this event. So there's going to be a lot of mixed feelings. There's going to be parents on either side, typically, that are going to feel a sense of loss as their child moves on to another relationship right. even, in, in even a very if they've official already, way. Yes. Even if they're no longer living in their parents' home, they might have the empty nest related to that, but it's another, it's an emptier nest once the new family starts up. That's it. So that's it for us. You can visit us at familyanatomy.com or email us at info at familyanatomy.com. You can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Twitter. You can find us on Google+. And if you're listening on your iPhone or iPad, you can find us on the podcast app. As usual, we'll leave you with a bit of a tune by Brother Love. And he's over at brotherloverocks.com. Thanks for listening. See you in two weeks. a family thing You know what to do Familyanatomy.com So support of family and friends is good to have. (laughs) 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 Okay, wait a minute. Uh, wait, I'm just going to make two notes here. Okay. Okay. <laughs>